3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers, and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders past and present of the Kulin Nations. We recognize their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis, and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning, listeners. You're listening to 3CR 855am, Thursday morning breakfast. It's the 11th of June. Morning, Priya. Morning, Shahrazad. Morning, Carly. Good morning, Priya. Hey. Um... So we've got a really important show with some pretty heavy-hitting audio from Saturday's Black Lives Matter rally coming up today. Um, so I might just jump into letting you know what's, what's going to be at the start of the program. So we're going to start off by hearing two segments of audio from the beginning of the rally, which was emceed by Merki Onis, who's a Gunai and Gunajamara woman and member of Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance. After this, we're going to hear a welcome to country from Sue Ann Hunter, who's a Wurundjeri woman, and Maddie Nicholson, who's also a Wurundjeri woman, and her daughter, Kaya Nicholson Ward. Um, and they're all from Jerry Jerry. Um, then we start to hear from some of the families of Aboriginal people who died in custody who are fighting for justice for their loved ones. So this begins with a statement from Warren Day, who's son of Yorta Yorta woman Tanya Day, and he's supported on stage by two of Tanya's first cousins. After a short break, we'll hear from more families, starting with Dwayne, the brother of Veronica Nelson Walker, who's accompanied by Viv Malo. Then we hear from Ray Thomas Sr., who's a Gunai and Gunachamara man and father of Ray Thomas, Uncle Ted Wilkes, a Noongar elder, Justin Graham, supported on stage by Rachel Hawking, um, talking on behalf of Walkery Mob from Yundamu. So they're reading a statement from Kumanjai Walker's family with input from Samira Fernandez and Walkery elder Ned Nampajimpa Hargraves. And finally, we hear from Uncle Teljum Edwards, who's a Tungarong man who has been in a long haul fight challenging the jurisdiction of the colony. Uh, then we'll hear some poems by Dr. Denise Chapman, who's a storyteller and spoken word artist who lectures in children's literature, early literacy and new media technology at Monash University. So Denise will share a few poems reflecting on racism and her experience as a black woman from the US in Australia. And then lastly, we'll hear a speech that was delivered by Wani Lefray in collaboration with Pauline Ventuna and Hamil Ibrahim. Uh, it's about violence against black peoples, colonies and continent, connecting black struggle across so-called Australia, the Pacific, the African continent, the United States and more. It's going to be a really heavy and really packed show. So um, we encourage you to settle in, um, absorb it, take it in as you can and really connect with what the speakers are saying. Um, we'll have links to families fighting for justice um, for the loss of their loved ones in custody um, in our show notes. And we encourage you to visit those as well and give as you can. Um, and now we go to the news headlines with Kay Kelly.
Good morning, I'm Kate Kelly and here are the top stories on 3CR this Thursday. Protesters shut down several logging coops across Victoria on Tuesday as environmentalists and community members called for an end to native forest logging. So to shut them down, they used tree sits, they locked onto machinery and they walked into the logging coops to halt the logging at Mount Cole, Borbore, Tulangi, Big Pats Creek, Camberville, Lakes Entrance and Noogee. So the protesters managed to stop a total of 41 contractors from working at a loss of $8,000 a day per coop. The forest protests place increasing pressure on Vic Forest, which lost a landmark court case last month when the federal court found it had unlawfully logged areas of critically endangered possum habitat. So the protesters said the, forest, the forested mountain was an important refuge for over 20 species of threatened flora and fauna in a heavily cleared region of the state. And to WA, where Reconciliation Australia has revoked its endorsement of mining company Rio Tinto as a reconciliation action partner over the destruction of a 46,000-year-old Aboriginal heritage site in the Pilbara, branding it a, and I quote, breathtaking breach of a respectful relationship. The not-for-profit announced its decision on Tuesday while hundreds of protesters gathered outside the Perth offices of Rio Tinto and as other mining companies in Western Australia defended their management of Aboriginal heritage sites. Rio Tinto's chairman, Simon Thompson, has reportedly scheduled meetings with shareholders in the UK to repair the damage caused by the incident. The Financial Times reported the incident has been criticised by financial service company Legal and General, one of Rio Tinto's 10 biggest shareholders. And a little closer to home, the Yarra River will be polluted with stormwater containing potentially toxic chemicals running off the $16 billion northeast link unless action is taken, a respected water expert has warned. So this comes from Chris Chesterfield, who is the chair of the Burren Council, which was appointed by the Andrews government in 2018 to advocate for the Yarra. So he said the river will be polluted with significant volumes of storm water if water treatment is not installed along the Wyden Eastern Freeway. He went on to say that construction of the freeways in Melbourne has been a, and a quote, disaster for the Yarra's health and the North East Link must mark a turning point in protecting the city's rivers and creeks. The expansion of the Eastern Freeway to more than 20 lanes at its widest point will obviously create additional stormwater runoff into Kunung Creek, which runs adjacent to the freeway and flows into the Yarra, Mr Chesterfield said. So North East Link doesn't project does not yet have a treatment plan for stormwater runoff. So that's one to come one to watch in the coming weeks and months. And that's it all the day's news that you need to know. And now we're going to go into a track, and this one is Yillaway, which was originally um, written and sung by Joe Geyer, and this is Philly's rendition, Yillaway. Black 
fam and culture and the land upon which we stand so much more than just the color of our skin you see the color of my kin is nothing like the one i'm in no such thing as half cast when we talk about black you either are you aren't results of the past lines on the face of my elders reminded of dark times by the stories that they tell us hey i'm zealous of the real my people around the nation tell us how you feel just look at where we've come from that things cannot be undone won't stand for the amp and we gotta sing our own song song just there was Yellow Way, performed by Philly. All right, so we're about to hear the start of audio from the Black Lives Matter rally on Saturday. Um, so we're going to hear an intro from Mariki Onis. We'll hear from Sue Ann Hunter and the Jerry Jerry Dancers. And we'll also hear from Warren Day reading a statement about his mother, Tanya Day, who died in police custody. And I'm just going to read you out our media release. I can't breathe. The words of George Floyd as he was being murdered by the police in Minneapolis 
resonated painfully with Aboriginal people, as so many of our own have died at the hands of racist police and prison guards here in so-called Australia. We stand in solidarity with our brothers and sisters, our siblings fighting for justice and freedom in the United States of America and everywhere else in the world. In New South Wales, Dungaddy man David Dungai Jr. was held down by five prison guards, also yelled, I can't breathe, more than 12 times. Not one officer even faced disciplinary action for Dungay's murder, and his family is still waiting for justice. Racist policing practices are lethal. In 2017, Victoria, Yorta Yorta woman, Annie Tanya Day, was subjected to racist policing practices and systemic racism which caused her death. In 2004, Queensland man, Malarinji Dulmaji, was likewise subject to racist policing practices and then murdered in custody. No one was brought to justice for his murder either. In 2019, both Joyce Clark in Western Australia and Kumanjai Walker in the Northern Territory were shot by police, shot to death by police. In New South Wales, in South Australia, Wayne Fallon Morrison in Western Australia, Miss Dew in Victoria, Veronica Nelson, all died in custody as a result of outright negligence on the part of police and corrections officers. In 2017, Tani Chatfield's death in custody at the Tamworth Correctional Centre was ruled su suicide despite conflicting evidence to the contrary. TJ Hickey, New South Wales, Ray Thomas Jr., Victoria, died while, both died while being pursued by rabid police against their own policing procedures of non-pursuit. Jesse Edwards was murdered on the streets in Swan Hill and his family was still fighting for justice. His racist killers have not been brought to justice. Had all these people been white, they would no doubt be still here. These deaths are among the latest in a long line of deaths in custody in the United States and Australia. Since the Royal Commission in 1991 into Aboriginal deaths in custody, 400, and it says 32 on my piece of paper, but I believe it's 435. As we speak about this, people are dying. No one has ever been convicted for the death of an Aboriginal person at the hands of Australia's racist police and correctional system. Not one person! Aboriginal people and other racialised people are subjected to police brutality 
and racist policing practices every single day and we've had enough. Australia and the US are both violent, colonial, racist regimes built on the genocide of Indigenous people and the theft of our lands. The police uphold these systems through the ongoing violent policing practices which sees both Indigenous and African Americans fill prisons and be murdered at the hands of these violent states. Black Lives Matter! I want to invite Sue Ann Hunter and the Jerry Jerrys. Um, Sue Ann is a Wurundjeri woman, a proud Wurundjeri woman, and she's going to start off our march with a welcome to country and a minute's silence. Woman Jekka, um, our elders can't be here today, as you understand they need to take precautions, and we've encouraged them to stay home. But they've asked me to stand before you and welcome you to this sacred land. The land you stand upon stand is the most sacred that you'll ever stand on. We come from thousands and thousands of generations. Our ancestors walked this land, so you are free to be here today and hear your voice heard. They ask of three things of you today. One, look after country. Two, look after each other. And three, be respectful and they want you to be calm. We don't want anything that's going to overshadow our voice. We don't want anything that's going to take it away from the message that black lives matter. What I'm going to do now is ask for one minute's silence for those that have fallen. Thank you. You will see us with ochre and other people with ochre on their foreheads. This is our sign of mourning. Our mourning for 432 deaths. Lives that are lost over 29 years. Think about this, that's 14 deaths every year for 29 years. Let's break that down again. That's one every single month for 29 years. No one has ever been held accountable. Aboriginal lives matter. Black lives matter. Now we need to mourn all those people that have died before 17, or after 1788, not before after 1788, because that doesn't include all of those ones from the 1991 Royal Commission into deaths in custody. There's so many more people that have died in the frontier wars. 
So we need to mourn them properly. We need to farewell their spirits. And I'm, my heart's beating really hard because I'm looking, you guys can't see this, but I'm looking at the crowd and it's going to the next block. It's going to the next block. And I wanted to thank every single one of you people here today, Aboriginal and our non-Aboriginal allies, because for so long, for too long, we haven't been heard. And we are the same here in Australia than over in America. So finally our voices are being heard, but I'm here to say farewell to their spirits. And I want you to repeat after me. Twaganen. Really loud so our ancestors hear us. Twaganen. Yerbaling. Morup. Nganganyaro. Nganganyaro. Tarangalk. Nganganyen. Morup Nganyen. Nalajaring. So all of you guys were just speaking in the Woiwurrung language, the traditional language of the Wurundjeri people, the traditional owners of Nam, of Melbourne. Now we're going to sing together. Try and sing along if you want, but if you want to join in, I want you all to join in. I want you to put your hand on your heart, and I want you to do the beat of the heartbeat. You can do it with your feet as well. So this will be the beat to this chant. And keep it going, because this is all about everyone's life. And at the very end, the heart stops. So it's a very sad chant, but it's a very strong chant to farewell that spirit of our loved ones. Twaganen Yerbaling Keep it going. more time and I think stomp those feet I can hear it I can hear that heartbeat
thing to do to fear all those spirits that have been lost and I just wanted to explain the words quickly before we go to our next speaker it's basically farewell dear spirit you're watching us from Tarangok where Bundral lives we will see you tomorrow when our souls reunite so now I'm going to pass it over to my daughter Kaya he'll be talking about the youth's perspective on this because we've all been feeling heavy. We've been feeling sick because we're absorbing all of this horrible stuff. So the young ones as well. So here's her voice. This is Kaya, my 17-year-old daughter. Kaba malamangil naranik kaya. Wurundjeri Willamick, Woiwurrung Nyung Gojin, Womanyat Big Duyik. My name's Kaya Nicholson Ward, and I'm a Wurundjeri Jajawurrung and Nyula Ilamurrung woman. I just wanted to talk today and express my frustration and anger with the way the world is right now and how cruel it has always been to our people. I've had a really tough week dealing with everything that's happening in the world, especially with what's happened in New South Wales to that young Aboriginal boy that was slammed to his face by a police officer. I want to share some facts about Aboriginal people that you may not know that should be taught in schools. Aboriginal people are 28% of the prison population in Australia. We are 50% of the youth detentions population in Australia. And we are only 3% of Australia's whole population. This breaks my heart because the government seems to not even care about us. You're on our land. It's the same story on different soil. We are dealing with the same racism here, and Australia needs to talk about it, especially in schools. This can be done by teaching Australia's true history from our perspective, especially how Australia was built and how my people almost got wiped out. Just um, For Australia to be built, we were almost wiped out. That's not taught in school. And it saddens me that I have to deal with the uneducated, ignorant, racist people that learn from this system. We have to deal with them and we have to educate them instead of the educators. That's not right. There has been around 432 Aboriginal deaths in custody since 1991. None of the police have been charged for those deaths. Shame! 
let that sink in your head. It's great people are supporting the Black Lives Matter movement, but you need to support this after this whole situation. Don't just support Black Lives Matter because it's trending. I'll see you all on Jan 26 at the Invasion Day Rally. Nyung Gojin, thank you. sanitizer as much as you can. If you don't have a mask, we're handing out masks over there in that garden. So please try and respect the rules as much as you can. I respect your agency and autonomy as well, but um, we've got the media on us about this, so we're in this together apparently. Um, um, I just want to invite... I want to invite to the stage um, Warren Day, a Yoda Yoda man, who is Tanya Day's uh, son, to read out a statement from the family with Tanya's first cousins. Please give him a warm welcome. I don't have much to say, but this is what I do have to say. We were all creators as equals, but one thing's for sure, we're not treated as equals. Australia's national anthem is a disgrace. Advance Australia fair. When's this going to take place? It took the murder of George Floyd, an African-American man, to put the spotlight on Australia's shame. 432 Aboriginal deaths in police custody since 1991, and still no convictions. And that brings me to this point. The racial profiling by police, inhumane treatment by police, and the harassment of our youths, and the murders of our loved ones, uncles, aunties, brothers, sisters, cousins, grandmothers, grandfathers, mothers, fathers, all at the hands of police. All we want is justice and to be treated as equals. That's not much to ask for, is it? There is no room for racists in this world. We need change and it needs to start happening now. Black Lives Matter. You're listening to 3CR, 855 AM. And that was the first segment of audio from Saturday's Black Lives Matter rally in Melbourne. Um, so we heard from Ricky Onis, from Sue Ann Hunter and the Jerry Jerry Dancers. 
and from Warren Day reading a statement on behalf of the Day family. Next, we're going to hear um, the next segment from the Black Lives Matter rally audio from the beginning. Um, so we'll hear from more Aboriginal families who have lost members of their family to deaths in custody um, and are fighting for justice. So we'll hear from Dwayne, the brother of Veronica Nelson, who's accompanied by Viv Malo. We'll hear from Uncle Ray Thomas, from Ted Wilkes, from Justin and Rachel, who speak on behalf of Kumanjaya Walker's family, and from Uncle Taljum Edwards. I am next one to invite to the stage Veronica Nelson's brother, Dwayne. Can everyone give him a round of applause? Hello, my people. We're all equal. Black, white and yellow. One nation. Equal rights for all. Brrr. I love all you people. But I'm here for one reason, is to pay respects for my sister, Veronica Walker. So can you bow your heads for my sister? Will I bow my head, please? Equal rights for all. Thanks, Dwayne. This is Dwayne. And he's talking about, you know, his little sister. Big sister. Big sister. Like my mother. A local woman here who... Proud black Aboriginal woman. <laughs> who taught her people about her knowledge and people. And that's what we've got to do, yeah? Keep between us, yeah? But we've got to be equal. Yeah? Because we are equal. We all bleed red because we are human. Human rights for all. I stand in solidarity with um, black lives and the, and the lives lost to the brutality of the forces of the state. That we know we're here for one reason. Money! We know this, right? What a shame it takes an international murder of a black man to get any attention to this land. Shame on the media. Hey, where were you when Veronica passed or Mr. Ward was burned in the back of a divvy van? Violence has been here for a couple of hundred years. And your system sucks. And I actually don't want a part of it. Me personally, it's not the measuring bar. Come on, people. Back. Back. There's a better way to live in harmony with each other and the planet. And Aboriginal people and, and Native people all over the world know that. I have a mention for the first people, too, of um, Turtle Island, the USA. Yeah, these are the voices you need to hear. So thank you for coming and thank you for listening. And, and no, but no, this is systemic. Doesn't matter how many times we march, we can protest all we want until the changes are, are, are made at the level of the, the assholes making the decisions here. 
Aboriginal Affairs. I'll tell you about some other violence that happened in this land that the world doesn't know about. They blow up sacred sites for mining. So shame on you, Rio Tinto. And I'll tell you another thing. Not one death since the colonizer landed will go in vain. We'll go, we'll go in vain. Justice is coming. I know a lot of people want to speak today, but we want to prioritise the families of the people who have died in custody. Their voices matter, and it's not easy to come and do. I want to, I want to invite Uncle Ray Thomas to come up and talk. Uncle Ray, Uncle Ray is a Gunai and Gunditjmara man. And his son was sadly killed in 2017, Ray. Thank you, my niece. Uh, great turnout, people. And this is what it's about. It's about people power. Standing together. All mobs. Because um, we have to show this system that it's a corrupt system. It's a broken system. We all know that. And we can't go on being intimidated all our lives with it. We've lived with it from day one for the last 230-odd years. And, you know, like Sister said before, it's, it's taken a, an incident in America to, to, for us to have some light shed on what's happening here in our country. Uh, brother boy over there in America, the gentle giant, Ray was our gentle giant, he was six foot seven too. A big caring man, very protective of his family, um, especially all his girl cousins and sister girls in the community, very, very protective. Um, sadly, we, we, we lost him in 2017 um, before sister Tanya. And uh, it was a police pursuit uh, because he was driving an unregistered car. That's not a crime. There's no crime committed, but this is what they do. This is what they do. What, what we need to do, and all you people here today, look up a thing, it's, it's, all, it's all in the constitution here in this country, which, which is the power of the people. And people just got to understand that. Because we're fighting a, a corporation. It's not, it's not a government. This is, this is what we're going to keep mind of. And, and this, is, this is all just rules and regulations of a, of a company. It's not law. So you get, you've got to get your head around that part. The other thing is what we need to do is, is uh, a thing, I think it's called the uh, Citizen Instigated Referendum. It's in the Constitution, I believe, and you only need 100,000 signatories. So if everybody here today goes online and you, you find that and you sign it, and it's, we can instigate a a referendum to take these treasonous traders to court in their own system. So go home from today, do your homework, do the research, find out about it. I think at, at present there's, there's apparently 70,000, 80,000 people that have signed that petition. You only need 100,000. The numbers here today, we go home and tell five friends, we'll, we'll, we'll kick it into about 150,000 signatories and take these take these perpetrators and traitors against the people, take them to court under their own system and under their own law. 
the law of the constitution of this country and this, this, is how we, this is how we're going to beat this system. Make, make them accountable. Uh, we're, we're still waiting for our justice for Ray. Um, you know, that, that's coming up for us. So it's pretty pretty heavy time. And uh, I just want to say thanks for allowing me to speak today. And it's a great turnout. But go home, do that research, and we'll, and we'll get these dogs in the court. We've got to get them in the court. And as, as, for these, as for these policy enforcers of the corporation, you need to have a, a, a good long think about your life and your children and your grandchildren, what they're going to be facing and the legacy what you're leaving behind. Because you're not going to be a copper forever. There's going to be other coppers come along after, like after you with the same attitude and brutality and they might be attacking your children and family in the street. And, it, and if, you, if you can't see that and have some human compassion and, and heart and spirit, you know, it's, it's a sad world we're going to be living in into the future. And it's, it's the future that we're going to worry about for the young people. Our children and our grandchildren and grand-grandchildren, great-grandchildren. And... No doubt these fellows have all got family, and surely you must think about that. You, you have to think about that somewhere in, in, when you go home after work. Think about what you've done on the day, or who you treated, or how you treated somebody, and think, how would you like my son or daughter to be treated like I treated that person today? So I'll just leave it with that. So go home, do that research, and if we can get this referendum up, and get, get this broken system in the court under their own system and get these traders charged for treason. Been treasonous since, since 73. 1973, Gulf Whitlam signed up a thing called the Unidroid Treaty. Look that up. He sold all the wealth of the land. It's owned by the Vatican. And Bob Hawke, the 1986 Act, the, the Australia Act, it's all, it's all criminal. And it's not lawful because there was no referendum to pass it. This is the criminal activity that goes on. So do the research, people, and empower yourself with the knowledge. And thank you. Thank you for just letting me have a, have a say. Thank you, people. Justice for Ray. I want to invite Ted Wilkes, um, Uncle Ted Wilkes, to the stage. He's a Noongar elder. Noongar people are some of the most incarcerated people on this planet. The policing, the racist policing practices, we're going to hear from a lot of different black people all around the world, but um, I think this is a really important story to tell and be told, so I just want you everyone to make welcome Ted Wilkes, Noongar elder. Thank you, Miriki. Uh, I just want to say quickly to the Wurundjeri people from here, thank you for uh, bringing this on when I happen to be here. I'm over here to watch my grandson play AFL football, but I can't at the moment. But uh, I've fallen in love with this place. You know, Melbourne is one of the most multicultural cities 
in Australia. And uh, for me to come here from Perth, where you're battling to see another person of colour, I can tell you the racism that I experienced on the West Coast, way over there, which is another land really, at 3,000 k's from here at least, I can tell you that I'm ashamed to be an Australian person and call myself Australian because the white fellas are all letting us down. Right? And I hear what we're saying about the police. And there must be one good policeman standing up the back of us. What a job he's got or she's got to educate the rest of them that they need to change their modus operandi. Right? And I want to thank the brothers and the sisters that already came up here and talked about the names. I don't need to mention any other name. But John Pat was certainly a young black man that was killed unnecessarily in the northern parts of our state. And we still suffer because of what he went through and the family went through. And there's not one black fella in this audience that isn't touched by the death or the maiming of someone in custody. Right, let's get it straight. I have a grandson that was harassed by police all his young life and when he turned 19, he pulled the pin on the rest of us. And who am I gonna blame? I'm gonna blame the bloody police because they brought it on. And they need to... I know I've got a short second left to say this. I wanna say to you lovely people, because there are lots of different coloured faces out there. There's black, there's white, there's brown, and there are other colours I can see. This is what we need. We need to all come together. It's been said already. You need to come together for the sake of humanity, everybody. We're the start of the revolution. Justin, hey, sorry, my name's Justin Grant, also, um, my name is, I go by three names, Wichinini and Jungarai. Jungarai are my people, my Walpuri family in Yundamu, and we're going to read, thank you, stay strong my brother, oh, sorry, can you mob hear me? Ah, thank you. Uh, sadness that we are all here today and the Yundamu people feel for poor fella over there in the States. So I'm going to read out um, what my family are saying for what has happened. This is a statement from Kumanjay Walker's family. Beginning and end comment from Samara Fernandez. Over the past couple of weeks, I've spoken to my family about the murder of George Floyd 
in the USA. We as a community, the Wilbury community, are absolutely devastated and outraged. Just last year in November, my cousin Kumanjay Walker was shot by NT police officers and he died. The death of George Floyd has resurfaced a whole bunch of pain for my family and I. We are standing with our emotions. We are struggling to stay strong and we are struggling to understand how in 2020 we are still battling blatant racism and oppression. It makes me sick to my stomach that we are here again talking about another black death in, at the hands of the police. In Australia alone there have been over 425 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander deaths and not a single conviction. How many bodies does it take to see we need change? I had enough. Margaret Brown, grandmother of Kumin J. Walker says, when I saw the video of George Floyd in America, I screamed and cried. I couldn't believe what they did to him. We are feeling the pain for his family. We support them all the way from our remote community in Yundamu, in Australia. The video made my stomach sick and it made me think about my grandson. I am still heartbroken. The police got no shame killing Yapa. My auntie Samantha Watson, who is a member of the Walpuri Justice Committee says, as Yapa we like to trust people, but we can't trust the police anymore. It feels like we have a target on our back. They are not here to serve and protect. We are so vulnerable. We feel so much pain for George Floyd's family because we just lost a loved one too. We know what they are going through. Why is this so? Why does this keep happening? Just because of our color, we want all the deaths to stop. We just want to live. This protest and the justice for Walker, Walker's movement is for all Yapas. It is for all the families who are losing loved ones in Australia and all around the world. This needs to stop. From Ned Jumper uh, Jimpa Hardgrave, Walpuri Elder and chairperson of the Wolpri Parapu Yundamu Select Committee says, the hands of the police have taken so many of our beloved people's lives away. Our family, our blood, and we are left empty-handed. Altogether we are standing with our brothers and our sisters across the world and we say enough is enough
But we here in this country, we especially say no more Aboriginal deaths in custody. No more targeting us. This is our home. This is our land. We cannot go back and do it again. Enough is enough. Because Yapa live lives matter. That's right, black lives matter. All lives matter. And I gotta say, like, we hear about the people over in America, all the African Americans, and we stand with them through their injustice. But we also stand with them, with the indigenous native Indians over in America as well. Who suffer from, who suffer from their society hiding their oppression, hiding their deaths as well. That's not being shown over in America. They hide, we feel their pain as well. And we stand with all indigenous mob from all around the country. And we will fight with you mob. Because you are our family. If you're part of this land, we are part of you as well. I got a sign here. This sign right here is for all of us who are standing here fighting. We can't breathe. We can't breathe. We can't breathe. So stop standing on our necks. What a, what a great audience, what a great support of people here who we all fighting for the one thing, proper rights in this country and um, I'm so amazed at the turnout today. My name is Teljum Choco Howard Edwards, I am a, a Palawa, a Bunurung, a Yorta Yorta, a Muddy Muddy, a Tangerung man. I am a stolen generation person and I've been in in this situation of, I can't breathe! I can't breathe! I can't breathe! I can't breathe! That, that many times in my life, I first fronted the judicial system in 1956. I'm still fronting the judicial system 2020. For the last five years, I've been contesting these courts about their about the jurisdiction. You show me the papers where you got your jurisdiction. You ain't got support, you ain't got no treaty, you ain't got no jurisdiction. So I've been fighting that for the last few years. And uh, these people, they don't even understand what jurisdiction or sovereignty or anything stands for. I am a sovereign man. We are sovereign people of this land. We are uh, higher above this, this uh, government, Australian government, that has done nothing but uh, put, put, us all, put us all down. Keep us on the bottom rung. You know, I've had uh, four people in my family die, and I know what death is like. And uh, I, am, I am here. I'm 71. I'm here by the grace of the great spirit, Bunjil. I don't know what I'm here for, but Bunjil has got something in store for me. And maybe Bunjil has got something in store for every one of you beautiful people that are here. It's a board of, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe! I can't breathe!
You've heard the second segment of audio from the beginning of Melbourne's Black Lives Matter rally on Saturday. You heard from families who've lost um, family members to deaths in custody. So we heard from Dwayne, Veronica Nelson's brother, from Viv Marlowe, from Uncle Ray Thomas, from Uncle Ted Wilkes, from Justin and Rachel on behalf of Kumanjaya Walker's family and Walkery Mob, and from Uncle Taljam Edwards. 3CR is your station in solidarity and struggle. We've been with you since 1976 and we are here to stay. Throughout June, we're running a station appeal. We need the financial support of our listeners to stay independent, community-owned and radical. Jump online and give what you can. Go to 3cr.org.au. Theresia Thursday Breakfast stands in solidarity with the uprising in Turtle Island. Black Lives Matter. To support First Nations families here, please donate to David Dongo's family at the Justice for Junior Black Lives Matter GoFundMe page. Donate to Kumunjai Walker's family for their fight for justice. The GoFundMe page is Justice for Yundamu. Inquiry on police shooting. Please support the family of Joyce Clark and donate to In Memory of Joyce Clark. Hashtag justice for Joyce. And support the Sisters Inside Free Her campaign to pay off fines for Aboriginal women in prison. No justice, no peace, no prisons, no police. You're listening to Thursday Breakfast on 3CR 855am. Joining us now is Dr Denise Chapman, who is a storyteller, digital media creator and spoken word artist who lectures in children's literature, early literacy and new media technology at Monash University. So Denise will share uh, with us a few poems reflecting on racism and her experience as a black woman from the US in Australia. Um, so firstly, welcome, Denise. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Really good to be here. Denise, did you want to walk us through or talk us through um, some of the poems that you'll be sharing with us today? Yes, yes, yes. Um, I have um, one that um, is a, a poem that um, I wrote. It's entitled, uh, He Said I Just Gotta Touch It. And um, it really touches on the, uh, no pun intended there, the intersections of um, being a Black woman who is an immigrant and how our bodies are not that how we're not how we're not considered to be um, uh, fully um, that, that that we can be touched and that that's okay because as I had someone on the train uh, uh, I still remember this gosh I was at Parliament Station packed train went in the train and someone was touching me touching my hair and I turn around and you know how like on Mel in Melbourne everybody looks down you know like I don't see it I don't see it right and um and so you know I, I finally turn around and I finally figure out who it is 
And I said, why are you touching me? He's like, oh, I just wanted to see what it felt like. And I, I looked at him and I said, and I pointed to this woman that was right next to me who, who looked, who was blonde, tall, uh, lady, a uh, young lady. And I said, would you touch her like that? Well, no, he said, I wouldn't touch. I said, well, why are you touching me? Well, you know why he, uh, why I, I'm, he wouldn't be able to articulate it. But the reason why was because he didn't see my full humanity. He thought he could do that and that that was okay because I'm not. Um, and, and, and so this, particular poem is really about me coming to grips and coming to an understanding of, right, um, I guess there are people out there that feel that they can do, they can treat me as, um, as not human in many ways. They, that, that, um, um, yeah. He said, I just gotta touch it, gotta touch it, can't help myself. Touch it? Touch what? Oh, oh dear God, no, no, this man, this man who signs my activities, my responsibilities, my PDO, shh, no, what the... Doesn't he know that this is my crown? Treat me like that man on the sardine-packed commuter train and the one near the cafe window pane and the, why would he do that? Why? Oh, that's right. I'm, I'm just a woman. No, lower. I'm, I'm just a black woman. No. Lower. I'm just a black woman who says garbage, not rubbish. Jello, not jelly. Bathroom, not toilet or loo. Where's your Milo? And don't you want some mayo? Do you really carry around hot sauce called slap your mama slap? I wish I could have stopped him. My mask, is it on straight, straight, not nappy, grins, not lies? Is my mask okay, my tap dance and stage mask? Cause of y'all's a no, eyes can tap dance, yes. This this next poem is about, um, it's called A White Sign, and it is really my um, experience seeing this woman who is a white woman in the U.S. Um, who is sick of being in self-isolation, 
not because of maybe the reasons why you might think, but she makes it known that she is a human being and that we are treading on her freedom to be a human being, to get her nails done, if you will. She didn't say that, but that's what I'm assuming. Um, and, uh, uh, and she has this sign that states, that's written, muzzles are for dogs and slaves. I am a free human being. And with those words right next to it is a picture of a woman from Brazil with a muzzle, originally from, from that space, with a muzzle on her face. Uh, and um, as if, and pairing that black body as an animal, essentially. You know, see, it's like, well, you know, I'm not this woman. I'm not that. Why would you, why would you take away my freedom? So uh, it was really, I was horribly impacted, infected by that, that visual. You know, I, and, and the thing that's really hard is that I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm basically crying over it. And my youngest daughter comes over and says, mommy, why are you crying? Are you okay? Do you need a hug? I can't tell her. You know, I couldn't tell, I, you know, she, I couldn't fully tell her. Well, honey, they've used a person that looks like mommy with a muzzle, muzzle, and to compare their experience to, and to see us as dogs, if you will. Why would you treat us like, like those people, these people? We're not those people. And it really made me sad for, um, for my family who are um, in the US still, my brothers, my sister, because people are now wearing their bigotry out in the open and they are encouraged to share this because 45, I'm not saying his name, 45, is the head, is the president, and is saying that this is okay. So it, that's what this is about. A white sign, red, white, and blue privilege dripped from her hands that wrote, muzzles are for dogs and slaves. I am a free human being. Words far right, words far from right. This sign captioned an image, a black face in irons, in torture, enslaved. This sign, her look makes me tearful, 
fearful, doubtful that my children's children will ever be free from this lens, overlay, reality of otherness, darkness, blackness. I can't remove this sign, this symbol, this muzzle from my face. This sign, her red cloth wrapped round my neck, is cutting, strangling, hanging me. And the belief that once pulsed through my veins that I could be somebody, someone, some being that mattered is yoked. And now dim 39 lashes and unclotted blood is dripping, festering, oozing my chattled history. Yeah, um, an, another um, uh, another poem that I've um, I've touched on uh, is one that um, it, it uh, came about. Um, it's called "Morning," and um, it's a it's a fear. It's about the fear that I have um, that I have every morning, and um, I'm getting a little bit emotional because every morning. I wake up and being an immigrant here and knowing that people that look like me are being killed, that my two brothers, someone doesn't know that they are a person, a human. So every morning I wake up and I check my phone. The phone's right there. I check my phone to see, have I gotten a phone call to tell me that someone's been hurt? I'm fearful. And so this, this poem is about me being fearful of potentially looking at my phone, seeing another video of a black man being harmed, killed, maimed, and realizing it's my brother. It's my father. It's my sister who's trying to drive to work. And so it's a play also on the word of mourning. Every morning I see this, but also I'm in mourning. So it's, these are the things that I think are important that we talk about because these are the silences. These, this, is, this is something that we're silent about and we can't because this is what everyday racism looks like. Every day I wake up fearful. Morning. I'm fearful each morning. Each morning I'm fearful. My brother's face will be looking at me fearful. Asking for help as I'm staring at my phone fearful. Each morning, each morning, I'm fearful. Yeah, and I've got a, an, another um, piece that, um, that gives me peace, that I, I, a poem that I, I shared. It's called Little Hands. And um, it probably should be called Little Brown Hands. Uh, 
uh, after the experience, uh, I can't remember who I was crying. If I think it was over George Floyd. Um, it was either George Floyd or, or Ahmaud Arbery um, or Breonna Taylor. Goodness, <laughs> you know, three. Okay, it was one and my daughter came over, the youngest came over and hugged me. And it just, this, this poem, Little Hands, is about that experience of just being able to realize, to take a breath and to actually see my, um, my purpose and that I'm, that I have to in my brown body, in my brown, in, that I have to as a mother, that I have to be uh, uh, active, that I have to be an active, an activist. Little hands. My youngest daughter's little hands hugged me today. That feeling muted the chaos, shooed away dim hates, reminded me of my purpose. I am activated. And um, this last um, poem that um, I've shared, it's called um, Our, Br Our Brother, Our Brother, uh, not brother, but brother, uh, because I saw George Floyd and he looks like he's my people. You know, he looks like my uncle. He looks like my uncle David. And so as I'm watching the funeral, his the first funeral that was in um, uh, Minneapolis. Uh, I'm crying, but I'm also smiling because of the things that they're saying at the funeral that really breathe the sense of the beauty of his life and his humanity and his experience with his brothers and um and how they did things as brothers uh and uh eaten things that you know um uh you know I, I remember my mom talking about how uh you know they you know when she she grew up in Harlem and uh you know you know you might have had if you had cereal that was a good day okay and and you didn't have milk necessarily to pour on that cereal you had water you know uh you know, there, yeah. Uh, so this is really about though the beauty of some of those things that I remember in my family, people would laugh, remember when, remember back when, and that's what was happening at that funeral. And it was beautiful. It was really beautiful. It was sad, but it was beautiful. And it breathed it, it, while he said, I can't breathe. I felt that his family and his loved ones. Ah, brother. Watching George Floyd's funeral, crying, thinking about his mama, smiling, watching brothers, Philonis and George, eating them sandwiches, banana and mayonnaise. Yes, that's right. 
It was a family thing, like the feel of dried clothes straight from the oven. Warm, real, family love. Poetry subversive, and it's really meant to change you in some ways in making you feel something. I hope it makes you feel. I hope it infects someone. I hope that, and, and just if it just does it just once and you think someone's thinking about it, then that'll be great because this is every day. And, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm a visitor here on the lands that we're currently on. And this is happening to people here who should be, should be revered, should be honored. And, and this is the conflict that we have. This is the, this we can't be silent on anymore. Thank you, Denise. So that was Dr. Denise Chapman, who uses poetry, old stories, children's literature, film, call and response, storying, and interactive digital content as windows and spaces for critical activism. So Denise shared with us a few of her poems reflecting on racism and her experience as a black woman from the US or Turtle Island in so-called Australia. 3CR Thursday Breakfast stands in solidarity with the uprising in Turtle Island. Black Lives Matter. To support First Nations families here, please donate to David Dongo's family at the Justice for Junior Black Lives Matter GoFundMe page. Donate to Kumunjai Walker's family for their fight for justice. The GoFundMe page is Justice for Yundamu. Inquiry on police shooting. Please support the family of Joyce Clark and donate to In Memory of Joyce Clark, hashtag Justice for Joyce. And support the Sisters Inside Free Her campaign to pay off fines for Aboriginal women in prison. No justice, no peace, no prisons, no police. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, Melbourne's Voice of Dissent. 3CR Community Radio, 855 on the AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au or on 3CR Digital in Melbourne. Next up, we'll hear a speech that was delivered by Wani Lefret in collaboration with Pauline Ventuna and Hamil Ibrahim. This was delivered at the Black Lives Matter rally in Nam. And it's about violence against black peoples, colonies and continent, connecting black struggle across so-called Australia, the Pacific, the African continent, the United States and more. I want to begin by acknowledging the owners of the land we are on, the Bunwarong and Waiwarong Wurundjeri peoples of the Kulin Nation and pay respect to their elders past and present. I also acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today, especially the families of all those who lost to police violence and brutality. I want to acknowledge the deep pain and trauma being felt by those affected currently, as well as those affected by proximity. I am also conscious of the space most people immediately affected and impacted are taking to make room for their own healing, dialogues, coming together and unpacking. This is not about unpacking any of that. That dialogue should be left to those most impacted by it. 
This is about our global solidarity to that struggle. And as an African black person living in so-called Australia, our collective responsibility. As we gather in solidarity and to honor the victims of police orchestrated murders, George Floyd, Tony McDaddy, Breonna Taylor, and thousands of others in America, rest in peace. We understand that the state-sanctioned violence in the form of police brutality doesn't only happen in the United States of America. We are connecting the dots between George Floyd in the United States and Collins Kosa in South Africa, 13-year-old Yasin Hussein Moyo in Kenya, Salim Farida Mwangaza Mamaleki in Democratic Republic of Congo, who were murdered by the neo-colonial state in the name of health security. Connecting the dots between police brutality and death in custody here. Systemic ethnic cleansing of the indigenous people in Ethiopia, in Kenya, in Congo, in Morocco, and the killing of people. And the killing of people like Samuel Wazizi in the government detention center in Cameroon. Connecting the dots between those who were murdered by the state in the name of health security and curfew enforcing, a number that far outnumbers those who have died by COVID-19. Connecting the dots between police brutality here and neoliberalism, imperialism, and carcerality in African continent where extrajudicial killings happen every day because Africans are forced to live in heavily securitized and militarized states. State-sanctioned violence, especially against black indigenous people, is a global crisis that requires holistic collective efforts to dismantle. It is a violence that is imposed and magnified when those bodies are visibly African bodies, African-American bodies, Afro-descent bodies, Melanesian black bodies, and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander bodies. We, we understand that anti-black, anti-indigenous state violence is the foundation of this colony. Yeah. A colony that is choking Aboriginal lands we live on. A colony governed by a genocidal regime disproportionately targets, murders, brutalizes, and dislocates Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. That the violence has been perpetrated against black people in the United States has also been perpetrated against Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people here on their own ancestral lands. Let's go. But this colony, it relies on both ignorance and collective amnesia in moments like this one. It's, in its non-Indigenous settlers, those specifically who do not and have not been subjugated to anti-black violence at its borders or at the hands of the police, this in itself is an injustice that highlights hypocrisy of the cry for solidarity when the collective shouts the words Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter! Australia is also responsible for detention centers that cage black people fleeing Afrophobic violence across the world in inhumane living conditions, leaving them to suffer or die just outside of its shores. Australia's government is responsible for the operations of mining companies that loot the African continent, that operate illegally,
displacing masses of indigenous black African people across its shores. Not many people know or even acknowledge that. Within its violent borders, we have been beaten by police for playing basketball. We have been humiliated as they pin us down to the ground and hang us for going to the gym. We have been spat at, chewed at by police dogs and forced to watch as our aunties bleed at the hands of police as they laugh, mock, and denigrate us. In Parney, in Footstray, in Werribee, in Dandenong, in Nobel Park, in Sunshine, in St. Albans, in Flemington, places Places where clusters of poor and visible African communities congregate. But for those of us who bear the brunt of Australia's Afrophobic violence, we know that the liberation of the most marginalized black African bodies is here, is tied in the liberation of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander bodies, lands, waters, and cannot be separated from its source. Hell no. The beginning of solidarity looks like recognition that there is no oppression forced on anyone in this nation. That's not founded on Australia's ongoing oppression of its land's true owners, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. When we are, when we are moved by the heroic 200-year resistance of First Nations warriors, in the same way we are moved by the black freedom warriors in the United States, violently torn from their indigenous lands 400 years ago, then, and only then, can we really say Black Lives Matter? So, to all new non-black gathered allies here today, I say this. If you truly believe Black Lives Matter, I urge you to divest from ignorance. Systemic black oppression doesn't happen because we live in a system that's failed us. It happens because we live in a system that's doing exactly what it was created to do. Divest from your complicity in this system that relies on your complacency. Uproot the evil that is anti-blackness and Afrophobia within you. The Afrophobia that causes your ignorance and complacency. Talk to your people. Wake them up from their Afrophobic complacency. And to my fellow black men, my brothers, if we truly believe that Black Lives Matter, we got some work to do. We must stand with the rest of our black community who've been standing for us all this time. Because that matters too. We must defend and protect our black LGBT siblings, especially... Especially... Especially our trans siblings, because their Black Lives Matter. We must elevate and listen to black women because their black lives matter. We must heal and not harm all black children because their black lives matter. And we must defend and listen to our black disabled family who continue to be at the forefront of victims of police state violence because their black lives matter. I want to acknowledge two black women, Pauline and Hamile, for the many conversations that have informed yeah. these words, as well as the words of Aboriginal resistance for giving me the opportunity to say them.
Black lives must matter. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM Thursday morning breakfast. And we just heard a speech that was delivered by Wani Lafret in collaboration with Pauline Vituna and Hamil Abraham. Um, that was delivered so what, at the What Black a huge Matter show Early this week. Um, we heard a couple of segments of audio from the beginning of the NARM Black Lives Matter rally, which was held this past Saturday. So we heard audio from the beginning of the rally, including um, an introduction from Marquionis of Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance, um, from Sue Ann Hunter and the Jerry Jerry Dancers, including Mandy Nicholson and her daughter, Kaya Nicholson Ward. We heard from families of people who've lost Aboriginal family members to deaths in custody, including Warren Day, who's the son of Tanya Day, uh, from Dwayne, who's the brother of Veronica Nelson, from Viv Marlow, who was supporting Dwayne on stage, from Uncle Ray Thomas, the father of Ray Thomas, from Uncle Ted Wilkes, who's a Noongar elder, um, from Justin and Rachel on behalf of Kumanjaya Walker's family and Wapuri mob in Yundamu, and from Uncle Teljum Edwards. After this, we heard from Dr. Denise Chapman, who's a storyteller, digital media creator, and spoken word artist, um, who read some poetry and spoke to Scheherazade, um, and finally, we heard a speech uh, from Wani Lafrere from Saturday's Black Lives Matter rally, in, and Wani developed this in collaboration with Pauline Vituna and Hamile Ibrahim, and this focused on violence against Black peoples, colonies, and continent, connecting Black struggle across the world. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, next up is Lost in Science. 3CR Breakfast would like to thank the New International Bookshop. Melbourne's radical independent bookseller and venue for their financial support of this program. You can find Nibs in the basement of Trades Hall in Victoria Street, Carlton, or check them out at nibs.org.au to find more information about upcoming discussions and events.